0: They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child. Look, they're coming for you. Look! There comes one of them now. Fine! You're dead! <laughs> We got this, eh? we got so, we're at the end of the run here. This is this is not my favorite of Romero's films in the least. Honestly, I I first time I saw Diary of the Dead, I I did not like it. First time I saw you know the second movie in our double feature here, I kinda didn't really like it either. And if I can be completely honest with you, I already recorded 10 minutes of this episode and my software crashed. And now I have to record it again. And I really don't like that either. It's just not a good movie. It's not two good movies. And now I got to talk about them again. And that's a real bummer. So with our first film, George is bringing his dead series uh, to the found footage genre. As an origin story of sorts, uh, f- our first film of the evening is *Diary of the Dead* from 2007. Two news agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. From legendary filmmaker George A. Romero. Yeah, there's an army of them. Comes his groundbreaking new vision. From now on, everyone who dies is gonna come back. Of the beginning, of the end. All that's left is to record what's happening. George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead. I think it's time we left this place. And we open on news footage of a recently deceased in a supposed murder-suicide return to life and kill the news crew that's reporting on the incident. As our main character, Deborah provide a edgy voiceover about how naive we all were in the beginning of uh, the outbreak or whatever. She also introduces her film, the film that we're watching at at this very moment. She breaks down the cameras that they're using, the editing software that they're using, and the reason why there's spooky music in it. She's like, because I wanted to scare you into waking up. We should all wake up and maybe you'll pay attention. As if it's like oh, okay, there's like a zombie apocalypse and humanity's falling apart and we're all at each other's throats and I guess your movie's the thing that's going to make us realize that that's the, that's the thing? Like, we already fucking know there's zombies out there. There's zombies out That'd be like if somebody made a movie about COVID and how shitty the political system is during this time. We already know. We're there we're already doing it furthermore i'm already on my fuck. i'm already on it i'm already fucking on it i'm like a race car in the fucking red here man i got a threshold jules i got a threshold for the abuse that i will take now i'm right now i'm a fucking race car right and you got me in a red and i'm just saying i'm just saying that it's fucking dangerous to have a race car in a fucking red that's all i could blow oh oh you ready to blow yeah i'm ready to blow (laughs) in a zombie apocalypse I mean, I guess you're like, you got nothing but time on your hands, but shouldn't you keep your head on a fucking swivel? Who has two hours to watch a quote-unquote, at that time, documentary about the zombie apocalypse while you're living through the zombie apocalypse? What are you talking about? If I can even, if the power grid hasn't even fallen down at that point, I'd watch Ghostbusters or something. I wouldn't watch footage of the shit outside That'd be like watching 9-11 footage while you're in the fucking World Trade Center. Like, just leave. (laughs) You know? What the fuck? Whatever. I haven't even gotten started on the movie and I'm already... Mm. Okay. So, let's get back into it here. Because at this point it's just me being angry and yelling about a movie in, in a room by myself. And that's, that's weird. You know, that's some weird shit. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the kids, the kids, that's what we'll call them. The kids in this film were in the middle of making a, I guess, like a student film in the woods of, I think we're outside Pittsburgh um, in the story. So, like, we hop right in. They're shooting this mummy film in the woods as the reports of the dead. Uh, returning to life start like kind of rolling in. I should bring up that our main characters are uh, the cameraman Jason, the that girl that was the doing the edgy voiceover is Deborah, that's uh, Jason's girlfriend. Uh, their teacher Andrew, and then just a bunch of like fucking red shirts, basically. Uh, as the reports come in, the characters debate you know, the power of the media and, and the over-exaggerated, uh, shock appeal that the, the media can stir up and how they kind of have, like, everybody has the power to be a journalist these days, which is like, it's an interesting message that George is putting out there, especially in 2007, kind of before the whole YouTube boom kind of happened before a lot of these, like, message boards were even really up and running like like Reddits and 4chans and all that shit. Like this movie's kind of ahead of its time, but it's also like preachy and just not educated enough to really be saying the things that it's saying. Uh so like, you know, the world's going starting to go to shit. Jason goes to Deb's dorm and it's being looted. And she's trying to get in touch with family and just like every other found footage Film like this is the catalyst for jason uh to keep filming is like you know somebody's gotta somebody's gotta film this and and document this and blah 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 which is what happens in every fucking film so the small production team takes their tiny winnebago to drop you know all these various people at their various houses and family or whatever because they were out in the middle of the woods um we come across our first zombie which is this like crispy critter state trooper that's stumbling out of a burning car wreckage and they do what you know anyone would do and run him the fuck over uh mary the the driver she loses her shit they pull over she's crying her fucking head off the others are like debating this like morality of like we we should have run we should have run that person over right like we weren't wrong to do that it's just it's the like it's this weird fucking like bureaucratic bullshit that i feel like a lot of a lot of people like it's a lot of talking and not a lot of doing you know like it's this like well i was right because this is the logical correct thing to do and it's like just stop fucking talking about it just go do it you get more shit done if you just do it. Anyway, while they're while they're like debating the morality of of running over a zombie, um Mary goes and shoots herself in the fucking face and she doesn't do a good job cuz she lives. And then they're like, "Well, we got to we got to take her to a hospital," right? So, and like the hospital's emptied out cuz, you know, zombies. And <laughs> when they get there, we come across another zombie. It's this RN zombie. And like, hold on. Before I get into that, man. Like, when they get to the hospital, a big pet peeve I have in films is like y- using the news as a exposition dump. It happens a lot in Diary. It's just a lot of people overhearing or standing around and watching news broadcasts. And like I get that that's the big message of the film is that, you know, the news is everywhere and everybody can be a journalist now. Everybody's a reporter and there's nobody to really check or regulate the validity of said news when everybody can do it. It's for a storytelling purpose. It's just kind of lazy to have all of the exposition come from news. Let's get back to the hospital. (laughs) So we're at the hospital. They, Oh fuck. Where did I leave off? Yeah. They kill the zombie nurse and then another zombie comes to them and they defibrillate its head and explode its eyes. And that's a fun little gag. I guess it is CGI. And that kind of sucks, but get used to it with these two (laughs) films. Then like Jason and Deb fight about the camera And she does the cliche like, oh, nothing's real unless you're looking through a viewfinder, blah, 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 bullshit that we saw in Blair Witch Project fucking 10 years before this. So she storms off and is like, I'm going to go, you know, find some bullshit or whatever to fix uh, Mary's face or something. (laughs) And... Uh, he's like, well, I can't, I can't go anywhere. My, my batteries are low. I got to plug in. And like, that's a fun little set piece of like having this dude plugged in while, you know, a zombie attacks or whatever. Like that's fun. If you're going to go through the, the concept of like, you know, George's brain being a filmmaker and being like, I know what goes into making a film. And in the back of his mind, when he's watching something like Jeez, what would have been a found footage around this time? I don't even fucking know. When he's watching a film, like a found footage, and it's like, well, why'd they put music in that thing? And he has to put in a voiceover that's like, I added music to this. Like, shit that the normal movie-going public doesn't even think about. They're just like, it's a movie, so of course it's gonna have a score to it. But, like, if you got a problem with that, then why don't you also have a problem with, like, You're going to show your character uploading his footage to his editing software. You're going to show us your character editing. But what you're not going to do is show the fact that in 2007, it could take hours to upload that footage to the editing software. It could take hours for a camera battery to charge. Just because you show us it once doesn't mean that you're off the hook you know because when you look at this film as a as a full piece the story takes place over three days is what i kind of put together that camera would have to be charged every every night i think you'd have about if you're lucky if you're lucky even today in 2022 six hours tops you know and this dude is filming Constantly, And he's not using battery packs. He's got a rechargeable battery that he has to plug in for. Oh, my God. It's frustrating. But don't worry, because um, Deb comes back uh, with another camera and does the whole how-do-you-like-a-camera-in-your-face bullshit and then proceeds to film just as much as fucking he did. Like... God, this fucking movie. Oh, I'm just being an angry person in my house and I hate being just an angry person by myself. <laughs> These characters are just so profoundly dumb and unlikable. But like, hey, we got extra angles now. So that's good. We have coverage. This movie has coverage now. but like you don't mm, you don't really have coverage, do you? There's still impossible angles. there's still impossible angles. It's just, putting a a second camera in the film gives you the out to be like, you know, there's a second camera now, (laughs) so don't worry about it. Whatever. One of the kids gets bit. Uh, The girl who shot herself in the face uh, turns into a zombie and they, you know, shoot her in the face again, I guess Uh, stuff that's supposed to feel real emotional. And then we cut to the next day, like the morning and, Mary's being buried just like in some nondescript wooded area and uh, Gordon, I guess, was the guy who was bit. He dies and they just kind of sit around waiting for him to turn into a zombie and then he does and then they shoot him, and bury him as well. And then we get back in the Winnebago and then down the road, the Winnebago's fuel line breaks and they pull into a property where this deaf Amish dude lives, and he kills some approaching zombies with dynamite, and it's, like, supposed to be funny because he talks with a uh, chalkboard, and that's fun, I guess. And the whole, like, you know, Pennsylvania, Amish, whatever, isn't that funny that his their car broke and they, they're getting help from a Amish guy. Hilarious. So as they're working on the, the Winnie uh horde... Of zombies approaches, and the Amish dude uh, dies from a self inflicted. He's using a scythe, and he, like, a zombie bites him, like, on the sh- shoulder. Yeah, on the shoulder. And he just shoves the scythe into his face, stabbing the zombie who's biting him in the face. <laughs> and. I don't... I guess it's supposed to be funny. This dude just sacrificed himself for these kids and then they leave. Further down the road, they join up with some other survivors and work out a deal for some gas and supplies. As Jason walks through the warehouse, we see the, the news media has edited the footage from before. You know, kind of making a statement about the power of the media and how they have the power. And Then we record him editing his footage and get more of the, like, why are we recording this shit from, from Deb. And then after Deb poorly delivers some lines about her family being alive, Jason gets a message from his friend in the Mummy movie. Um, that guy's back at home in his, like, super big mansion. So now we're two days in, and this guy, it's like a video message. This dude is still wearing this Mummy costume from two days ago. <laughs> like, so, like, before they depart, the The kids, the group, they arm themselves. Professor takes a bow and arrow because he's, like, British or something. I mean, I guess that's cool. It's not a bad idea, actually, to have a bow and arrow. But this dude's, like, a crack shot with a bow and arrow. So they leave, and then after this preachy montage about society crumbling... And how the media is in our hands. Uh, we're at Deb's house, and in cliche fashion, she finds her family dead, and has to, you know, wrestle with killing them. And eventually, the uh, the teacher, professor, whatever, uh, shoots shoots her shoots her kid brother in the face with an arrow. And I think this is kind of the, a a problem with diaries. Like, if this was a small indie film from a first time director, it'd be fine whatever it'd come and go but it's more of like a student film or exercise from the guy who created the genre and it doesn't say anything new especially like aging what it's almost like 15 years old this movie it doesn't age very well it's just not worth fucking watching But we're back on the Winnie. We get the professor's backstory, but it's cut short as they're stopped by, uh, what we assume is the National Guard. The leader of this squad, um, fuck, I don't remember his name. It's like Sarge, Nick, something. Uh, he he actually becomes the lead character in Survival of the Dead, the next film. In this, he's an unlikable asshole, and he robs these kids, and <laughs> that's the last we see of him uh then we're at the next stop which is the mummy man's mansion uh but when they get there his front door is wide open and they find him like exiting his panic room and he's acting real weird also he's still in the mummy costume uh and he's there with this um fuck i didn't i didn't get her name this is this girlfriend who's from like texas and she's like man i need to get out of this corset and it's like guys it's been fucking three d- you're on day three like literally minute three get out of the corset minute three get out of the fucking mummy costume it's the end of the goddamn world you know get comfortable like (laughs) you're gonna be in for a rocky ride man you're three days in and you're wearing a corset shut the fuck up you had three days to take it off they ask ridley that's the mummy guy about fran hey francine that's that's her name wait texas girl's not mummy man's girlfriend whatever okay so Texas girl's there she's like now that I'm at a house I'm gonna get out of this corset and then mummy man's like yeah uh, make yourself at, at home and then they're like well where's your girlfriend Francine where's your girlfriend Francine and then he's like um yeah she's out with my family in the backyard and they're like what are they doing out there <laughs> and- and he's like, ah, uh, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're with the staff. And then they're like, well, what, what are the staff doing? And then he's like, they're, yeah, they're dead. They're like all dead. So he's like in shock or something. I guess. And then you're like, okay, cool, so I expect we're going to go into the backyard or whatever and see all these dead bodies. But instead what we do is we go to this like greenhouse and we find that the family and the staff and the girlfriend are just in the swimming pool. We just threw him in the pool and we find out that he's actually acting weird because he's been bitten. And the only reason he's dressed as a mummy is because zombie mummy because at some point early in the the script the director dude Jason is is giving direction to the mummy man and he's like you're moving too fast mummies don't move fast and then he was like well i want to catch her and that was all just so that we could get to this point at the end of the film where the mummy is chasing the the texas girl and then jason is like not helping his friend at all he's just filming this mummy chasing this girl it's just so he can get in this quick little line where he says see i told you mummies are supposed to move slow that's it that's that's why that happens um and naturally the texas girl gets pissed off because Jason didn't help her, and she steals the Winnie, and drives off, and then, uh, Ridley kills some of the other, uh, survivors, some of the other kids in the group, and then we're just down to Jason, Deb, and the, and the professor, but the professor's, like, drunk off of his his ass, and after a fight, Jason storms off, he gets bitten, gets eaten, torn to shreds, more melodrama ensues, and then, like, deb vows to finish the film and that's the end of the movie that's the end of the movie (laughs) roll credits so like overall i think diary has some good but a lot of bad to it it doesn't bring anything new to the genre that george himself created not even blending found footage and and zombies uh there was a british film called the zombie diaries that came out a year before this and there's the much superior film film franchise wreck uh that came out i think the same year as as diary or the you know the american remake uh quarantine is also really good would check those out Um, the message about the power of the media the power of editing and being tethered to outside opinions is worth noting think he's saying some good stuff there but it's so heavy-handed and lacks any kind of subtlety that you're kind of just turned off by it in this film oh once again can't forget to bring up the news broadcasts hate them but George did something kind of cool with them they're all voice cameos from other creators uh Wes Craven Simon Pegg Guillermo del Toro Quentin Tarantino Stephen King all show up in uh voice cameos as journalists I can appreciate stripping the film, or the filmmaking process, I should say, down to its bare bones, and taking an indie approach, um, especially for George, after having worked a little bit in the studio system and being kind of jaded by it, being kind of beaten down by it. Oddly, I think the strength lies there. The film would have been better if it wasn't found footage and just a road picture about students in the beginning of this apocalypse. I think that would have been interesting. I think if it was just about some kids on the road during an apocalypse trying to get from point A to point B and like maybe some of them are, you know, they were making a student film. I think that part's interesting. I think it maybe would have been cool if you did this overarching like film and then maybe at certain points you would like cut to black and white footage. That's like their handheld kind of thing. I think that would have been cool. I think what's not fun is the fucking characters get to this garage where they find other survivors, and then Jason, the main character, main filmmaker, is like, "Hey, I think it'd be cool if we had some uh, some lead-in footage uh, from the security cameras of us pulling into this place." And you're like, "That's, it's fucking stupid." <laughs> like, okay. All that said, I liked it better. This time, like, once you train your brain to divorce it from the other films in the Dead series and see it just as, like, an exercise, it's, you know, it's better. Uh, unfortunately, it's still his second worst film, though. (laughs) It's not, it's not great. And, uh, that's it for Diary of the Dead. Next up, the final Dead film, and sadly, the final Romero film, uh, at least for a while. There's been rumblings about a director's cut of *Martin* that's recently been unearthed, and various lost, quote-unquote, uh, projects are coming to light via the the Garf uh, Foundation, the George A. Romero Foundation. Uh, you can check them out on uh, Instagram for more of their information and more of the stuff that they're doing. From what I understand, though, largely the Garf Foundation is a non-profit that is in place in George's name by his uh, widowed wife to um, highlight and advance the possibilities and careers of young filmmakers via like donations and film festivals and various other outlets. They've also been doing a really 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 great job of restoring George's older films that's how we got the amusement park what was that last year and that's how we're getting this martin hopefully getting this martin uh director's cut that's like three hours long or whatever i digress though we're not here to talk about the garf but we we should definitely be talking about that here we are survival of the dead 2009 last time anyone counted 53 million people were dying every year 150,000 every day 107 every minute becoming us versus them world all we were looking for was a place where there was no them lousy times make lousy people all the wrong people are dying this island needs to be rid of them we like it here we think the best way of seeing this through is here we don't want no place we want some place like where like an island It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. The only families that ever lived on this island were yours and mine. No strangers. What are you gonna do with them? They're Muldoons. It's up to me to save them. You can't save a person who's already dead. Somebody's gonna find a cure for this. A beautiful place to live. And to die. Oddly enough, uh, his first continuation in the Dead series. Every other film is a new group and a snapshot of, like, their time, you know, in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, This time, we're following the guy we saw in Diary, the soldier from Diary, which places this early on in the timeline. I think George said something about, like, the first month or two into the. What would you call that? Deconstruction. (laughs) So before we start, the Blu-ray that I own of Survival of the Dead had a promo for The Walking Dead, like, before Season 1 premiered. It was so weird seeing Frank Darabont talk about the show with, like, reverence and uh, excitement. Uh, Especially before the show kind of got going and became the juggernaut that it is. And now, like, I look at it and, like, I don't know, I feel like most people are... Fucking tired of that show, and like the spinoffs have saturated the story. And Darabont got fired after like the first year and been placed in director jail. And I guess I just bring this up to say that I really miss Frank Darabont, and I want him to come back and I want him to do something big. I think I could really see another fucking amazing Stephen King adaptation under his belt, and it's just oh, it's frustrating. Anywho, back to survival. <laughs> Uh, We open on the slow collapse of the National Guard and Sarge, who I'm going to call our main character, seems like Nick something. Sarge decides to go AWOL with some of his other soldier buddies. Uh, They become like a roving gang looking for a world from the dead. They're looking to get away from everybody. Uh, then we're on this remote island off the coast of Delaware where we meet the two rivaling families, the O'Flyns and the Muldoons. It's like an Irish Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, also they're they're Delaware I- Irish. I I guess that's a thing. I didn't know that's a thing. So the O'Flyns want... Um, they want to clear the island of the dead and live this like quaint pioneer life. And the Muldoons are like... No, we want to keep. Yeah, we want to keep the dead here, you know, because there might be a cure. I guess. Also, something about Jesus, <laughs> or something. The the two patriarchs are kind of leading this feud, and everyone else is just stuck in the middle. Uh, Seamus Muldoon, strong arms, Patrick O'Flynn, and exiles him off of the island via motorboat to the mainland. At a remote location, Sarge and his crew happen upon a group of rednecks in the woods and uh, they have nothing to offer but target practice. But they also get intel on an island from a kid they saved from the hillbillies. I think literally the kid like on IMDb is named The Kid. He doesn't get a name. So he shows them this video from O'Flynn who's... He like made this YouTube video. I cannot believe there's still internet. (laughs) <laughs> but, so O'Flynn made this YouTube video that was like, "Come on!" It was like that scene in Beetlejuice where he's like, "Come on down to the marina, and I'll I'll take you to Plum Island where the the dead don't live, and you can live in harmony." so like O'Flynn's basically drawing people into this marina to rob them, like that's his whole thing, and also to like like he sends these people to Plum Island just to fuck with Muldoon as well. Like, that's fun. <laughs> they meet O'Flynn at the marina, and he's, like, hoodwinking people into into this place to rob them, and a firefight ensues. Sarge and his group are in a armored truck that they found. So, like, these fucking fishermen, basically, they don't have enough firepower to get into this armored truck. But, alas, a firefight ensues, which draws in, you know, the attention of the dead. Which causes this kind of hurried departure. The violence and the action in this is extremely slapstick and cartoony. There's a moment where I think Sarge throws a grenade at a building that all these fishermen are shooting out of, and the front of the building explodes, and the fishermen are standing there, like with holes in the wall and like soot on their face. Like like when Daffy Duck would put his finger in Elmer Fudd's shotgun and the gun would explode. And then they'd have, like, soot on their face. Like, that's, that's the thing that we're doing in this film. O'Flynn's guys die, so he stows away on Sarge's uh, ferry boat. As they float through the sea, they clear the boat for a safe night. And by clear the boat, I mean they kill all the zombies that were on it. Including this one kill where... Uh, one dude shoves a fire extinguisher hose into a zombie's mouth and pulls the trigger and then the zombie's eyeballs pop out of his head and ain't that fun it's real cheap uh shitty looking cgi but i will say uh at this point in the synopsis it's like 40 minutes in and i'm already liking it better than the last time i saw it comedy's fine it's like just kind of jarring at first, but, I don't know, you get used to it, I guess. That said, though, if this movie is supposed to be, like, a continuation of Diary of the Dead, tonally kind of doesn't really work, because Diary had almost zero comedy to it. It was a very melodramatic piece. On the island, they're met with gunfire as the Dead are replaying their daily tasks, shackled to mailboxes and poles and riding horses, etc. Turns out the people O'Flynn has been sending to Plum have been getting torn down by the Muldoons and robbed, basically. Oh, also I should explain that horse thing. So O'Flynn had a twin daughter. who uh, One died and I guess was like an expert ranch hand. And, you know, in Romero's films, the dead kind of revert back to their like menial task ways. And I guess her thing was just riding horseback. So, uh, yeah, there's a zombie that rides horseback and hunts people. I guess. Uh, the other daughter's still alive, though, and uh, kind of hates her dad. They both have similar names, like Janet and Jane or some shit, and I can't keep the two together. Pretty immediately on the island, Sarge loses a few members. Uh, Cisco gets bit. Uh, Lim gets shot. And Tomboy, which you could imagine what that is or who that is. <laughs> um, she gets kidnapped uh to fuck with O'Flynn. they rope up his uh his uh horse daughter. Nope, <laughs> they rope up his, his yeah you know what They rope up his dead horse daughter <laughs> as leverage. as the other daughter fixes up Sarge from a gunshot wound that night they they round up O'Flynn's remaining family to fight Muldoon but he sets up an ambush with Tomboy as bait. Unarmed, the group is taken to Muldoon's farm, and a test is staged. Zombie Horse Girl is corralled and left to her own devices as the two groups fight. I don't really see... I don't really see what the whole thing, what the whole test is with with, uh, Zombie Horse Girl. Like, I think Muldoon's whole thesis statement is... We can train the dead to eat animals. If they eat animals, then they won't eat people. So his whole thing is, Hey, O'Flynn, I know you want to kill all these things, but maybe we can find a way to live with them. So his whole test is, I took your daughter and I'm putting her in a corral. I'm putting her in a corral with her horse and if she eats the horse, then we can train the dead to eat animals. Which is all fine and dandy. You know, great plan. Um, and I I think that that's the ultimate problem with survival. Is, like, you want to do this, this Hatfields and McCoys kind of story. But, like, Muldoon's wrong. <laughs> like... Like, just, just like in Day of the Dead, you're, you're basically doing the same kind of story arc of either we kill them or we live with them, you know? Like, you're not bringing anything new to this story in particular. The only thing you are bringing new to it is that it's kind of like a neo-Western. And if that were the case... And if your whole thing with these zombie films is, like, they're not connected, they're just, like, they're just stories about people during an apocalypse, why not just fucking make a full-blown western, then? Just do that. That'd be cool as shit, actually. Uh, there's a Joe Lansdale book called Dead in the West that is basically that. And it's pretty fun. It's, like, super pulpy. And Fuck, Romero would have been awesome at making something like that. I guess what I'm saying is that if it comes down to me watching Day of the Dead or Survival of the Dead, I'm gonna watch Day 100 out of 100 fucking times. Because it does it better. And it tells the story better. Anywho. <laughs> we're, we're doing this whole fucking zombie horse girl eating her own horse bullshit. And, um... The You know, the two groups start a f- they start fighting. Oh, also like, fuck, this is so stupid. So like the group gets ambushed by you know, the Muldoon posse and the Muldoons are like, put down your your guns we outnumber you. So the, the O'Flynn group is like, yeah, you're right. So they put down their guns and then they're walked into Muldoon's uh ranch and then the daughter shows up out in fucking nowhere with all of their guns again and she just like hands them to O'Flynn and and that whole family and it's like like muldoon and and everybody's got guns on them and she's like no 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 we're gonna make this fair i'm gonna give everybody their guns and then she's surprised that they start shooting each other like what the fuck did you expect their guns that's what they're made to do that's sloppy that's sloppy. George wanted a gunfight there. He wanted escalation with the guns, but he took them away in the previous scene and he had to find a way to get the guns back. I don't like it when I can take the string and move it to the scene to see how he gets out of writing himself into the corner. If I can guess it, it's probably bad writing because I'm a bad writer. <laughs> Anywho, the two start fighting. <laughs> First with words, then with guns. Uh, Janet is the the one that's alive. For some reason, she like goes over to her, her dead zombie sister, and she's like, I think my sister's trying to tell me something. And then the zombie sister bites the living sister, and then, and then the living sister calls her zombie twin sister uh, a bitch and a piece of shit. And it's like, Yeah, no shit, dude. You put your fucking hand in a zombie's mouth. Don't get mad when it bites you. Oh, my God. So, like, she gets bit. Then there's this barn full of dead people. Because Muldoon has just been corralling all of the zombies up and putting them in the barn. Because he's like, look, there's going to be a cure. And, you know, if there's a shot or something, I can give it to these people. And then they'll be cured of it. Like, it's the fucking snap from the Avengers. You know? Like you can just cure the, the zombies. Like as if their fucking internal organs aren't all fucked from all of the like dead human meat that they've been eating. Like could you imagine if if the if it worked like the snap did in Avengers, like <laughs> Like everybody's all these zombies exist and they've they've like eaten and killed thousands of human beings. Some zombies like just Fucking bulb like fat, like fat off the land, you know, like they've just been eating their family. And then a day comes three, let's say even two years later, you know, a day comes two years later where like the CDC is like, we made this shot. You can give it to your dead mom, (laughs) you can give it to your dead dad and it'll bring them back, they'll be normal again, and it's like, okay, cool, so I gave dead dad my the shot, I somehow, <laughs> somehow, like, lassoed him, and then administered the shot, now, dad's fine, he's coming too, but he's like, oh, fuck, I gotta break the news to him that he murdered an ate my sister his daughter uh he ate the dog and um yeah he ate he ate mom like three days ago and she's digesting in his stomach (laughs) like (sighs) it's fucking muldoon guy's a fucking idiot man so yeah we're pretty much at the fucking end of the movie here uh yeah the barn full of the dead is released There's a ton of gore. Uh, Most of Muldoon's guys die here. A guy gets scalped. A zombie gets a hot poker through the dick. That's pretty cool. Muldoon shoots O'Flynn in the back. And then as he's lying there dying, um, he shoots Muldoon in the chest with the Dillinger that was up his sleeve. The two muster enough hatred of zombies to stand back up for an endless standoff, firing empty guns against a moonlit hill as the survivors uh, Sarge, the Kid, and Tom Boy sail off into the night looking for a quiet place away from everything roll credits that's the end of the movie that scene of dead O'Flynn and dead Bulldoon doing a like stand like a a western standoff um, just firing empty guns just clicks while this like giant fucking moon is behind them is a really 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 good shot like the composition and the the simple storytelling of hearing the guns clicking and no bullets or no firing it's such good storytelling there like that one shot alone makes me like fuck there's some good stuff in this movie man way better than diary maybe just like a pinch below land of the dead but i mean we're still comparing some of the worst so (laughs) so it still kind of sucks and it definitely sucks ending the retrospective on on you know a lesser group of films but you know that's kind of how it goes most filmmakers don't really get a pick when they walk away um i guess the rare exception is john carpenter and uh it you know for a long time a big part of me was like man wouldn't it be great if if Carpenter, like, made another. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm like, fuck yeah, man, good good on you to be like, no, I'm fucking done dealing with the studio system. You know, maybe I'll pop in and make a soundtrack for a movie here and there, but, like, that's it. I think there's something admirable about being at the point in his life and his career and ending it on the terms that he wanted. Same with, like, Tarantino, who's basically been like, I'm gonna make, like, This catalog of films, and when it's done, it's done. I don't want to sully my filmography in any way. I want, like, bangers after bangers, man. You know, George himself, he, he took chances and unapologetically put his heart and soul into all of his films, even if he didn't realize it. You know, he famously stated repeatedly that Ben in, in Night of Living Dead wasn't a statement. He wasn't making a political thing out of it. And with Night, he took the aforementioned chance and created a genre with, with that film. And within that genre, he told bigger stories and smaller stories. Uh, really played in the space. Uh, outside of that genre, George managed to remain independent, making films in Pittsburgh sometimes even with studio help telling the stories the way he wanted to. It's quite admirable what he managed to do and what he was able to do even later in his career. I mean, you gotta think about stuff like that. It's it's hard for a film to get funded. George managed to find the way to make the films he wanted to make with the compromise of a lower budget. I personally also think that limitations um, that a lower budget can provide a filmmaker makes them think outside the box and be more creative within the space and find new ways to tell new stories jaws would not be as good as it is if the shark worked plain and simple it wouldn't have that john williams score if the shark worked they had to find ways around it because the robot shark was broken a majority of the filming i'm kind of sad putting george to bed this was a lot of work and i want to thank all the people who came on and humored me in this project honestly i'll probably never do a full filmography i'll probably never do anything like this again on this podcast uh so i'm glad it was a man whose work i've been obsessed with for as long as i've been obsessed with horror films and with that said i'm stitching together the upcoming release schedule and i've got some themed months ahead a patreon launch in april hopefully some convention appearances in the near future things are moving forward uh the first of which is our new release day uh starting this tuesday which is great it's like you get this one on thursday you get another one on tuesday This Tuesday, we're launching the new schedule with uh, Lucho Fulci's The Beyond, and new episodes will be every Tuesday from here on out. I figured earlier in the week we'll... You know, be better for people who are commuting to work. With all that said, if you want to stay on top of any EMP news, announcements, or just to talk, check out the podcast on Instagram at Electric Monster Pod, or you can check out my art account at Aerosoul Pro, A E R O S O U L P R O. Thanks for listening, and until Tuesday, stay scared. I'll just Zombies cannot run. Their ankles would snap. I mean, you know, what did they do? Go and join a spa the moment they uh, rose from the dead? Give me a break. They're dead.